As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday MBA, interviews with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all sharing their best techniques and tips that you don't learn in business school. I'm your host, Kevin Crane, and I'm so pleased that you're listening, and so pleased to welcome Alex Bates to the program. Alex brings a unique perspective at the intersection of machine learning, big data, and diagnostics. As an undergraduate, he performed DARPA-funded research in neural networks as well as research in memory and computational diagnostics. In 2006, he co-founded MTEL, an organization focused on harnessing sensor data from the industrial Internet of Things space. Today, Alex is the managing director at Neocortex Ventures, a firm bringing artificial intelligence and machine learning to the forefront of the industrial market. And he's with us today to talk about his new book, Augmented Mind, AI, Superhumans, and the Next Economic Revolution. Alex Bates, welcome to the show. In your book, you say that we are all about to become superhuman. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So what I mean by superhuman is in part transcending some of our, hist our, our kind of human limitations, but actually um, embracing technology to augment us to superhuman levels of intelligence, creativity, intuition, and even fulfillment. So you talk about how a number of things are converging, artificial intelligence, uh, intelligence augmentation, and how those things will usher in a new wave of productivity and creativity and and a human-machine symbiosis. Can you describe that world, and when will we get there? Yeah, I think there are some things happening right now that are really interesting. Um, in the book, there is a little bit also of a call to action to focus a little bit more investment on this area of what I called augmentation, which some people use the term human-centered AI, but in general, um, focusing AI investments on amplifying and augmenting our human gifts And yeah, I think in terms of when will we get there, there's some things that are very, that are happening right now in terms of uh, what we're finding is these human gifts of creativity, the way we have these like epiphanies and eureka moments are really what set us apart from AI. And I think what we're seeing in the short term is we're going to see systems that amplify those human centric gifts and we'll see us doing less kind of menial repetitive work. And then longer term, we're obviously going to see a much tighter integration between our our brains and computers, and we'll see those barriers kind of go away. Is that what you mean by intelligence augmentation? Yeah, I think intelligence augmentation, because traditionally the focus was artificial intelligence, and this kind of shift in thinking is, is what about 
our human intelligence and how do we augment it. And intelligence augmentation is this term, uh, sometimes called augmented intelligence, but in general, the point is focusing all the technology to amplify our human gifts as opposed to just replicating it externally. So how will that work? I mean, I envision... I don't know, going into some sort of next century sort of clinic or whatever and having a computer implanted in my skull or something. So how does all of that, how will all that work? Yeah, I think there are a couple pieces that will involve some brain computer interface technology. There's some things right now on the horizon that are non-invasive. In other words, you can just wear a cap or even clips on your ears that monitor like your EEG and other types of signals. and and it can be a much tighter interface. Right now, most of us interact with computers through a keyboard and a mouse that have been out for like 40 years. And obviously, it's, it's not an efficient interface. So this next generation is going to have a much tighter interface that will really unlock a lot of our, our creative gifts that right now are kind of constrained in the way that we interact with computers. So suppose I wanted to augment myself. What would be the process? And how would I be changed for the better afterwards? Well, one of the interesting things I got into in the book was that in this next phase of evolution, where we see human just absolute leaps of, of progress, where we've had things like Nobel Prize worthy innovations and the space program and the Manhattan Project. But in general, what I think what the recommendation is, number one, you would become, you would spend time to develop some expertise in, in whatever field you're passionate about. It could be art, it could be archaeology or it could be engineering or physics and then there's going to be a different focus where some of the AI will automate some of the lower level things like searching for related research and combining information and evidence and even running experiments and it will it'll free you up to sort of just have these epiphanies and and insights where humans make these creative leaps so part of it will just be unlocking us from from the lower level work that we tend to focus so much of our time on today to have more of that uh, kind of creative freedom. So the AI mind or the AI bot, if you will, where does that run? Does that run in a computer external to my physical being, or is it actually inside of my, my neurons? Is it inside my body or outside? It's a great question. And it, it kind of gets into the, what's the concept of self. A lot, a lot of our Western philosophy is on, uh, you know, kind of self and, uh, you know, sentience being self-awareness. But the concept of self, I think, will evolve once we are augmented by this technology. And I think, for example, a lot of people think of a virtual assistant like an Alexa or a Siri. And one of the things I got into in the book is that that's really the wrong metaphor. Imagine if instead you had a team member, a co-founder, a scientific co-collaborator that literally knew everything about you. You'd interacted with this entity your entire life. It knew your entire history. And as you had new insights, it was completely contextual to every single thought and piece of writing you've ever done. So it would kind of be like a partner, an intellectual partner that would help you amplify your, you know, your output. So how is this happening today? What's, what's the activity happening currently along these lines? Well, currently, I think there's two different tracks right now. There, there has been a little bit of an awakening in the AI community, and you're starting to see terms. At Stanford, they call it human-centered AI. At MIT, they call it extended intelligence. But you're starting to see a little bit of focus on um, augmenting human intelligence. But I think it's still not quite enough because there, 
really focusing on narrow applications of humans tagging and labeling data and humans in the loop of the machine learning process. The vision of intelligence augmentation is actually much greater and it has to do with really just unlocking all the human gifts of creativity and linking it with optimal computer systems. But in the short term, I think there's going to be two key tracks. One is a slight shift from traditional AI, which is purely what I call synthetic intelligence, like just external to humans, just these machine learning systems that run externally towards more human-centered approaches for AI. But the second key track is, is neurotechnology, and that's the human-computer interface. It's things like EEG, and then in the farther in the future, of course, what's called brain-machine interface, where it actually is invasive. In other words, implanting things that directly electrically communicate with our brain. That's probably a decade off for that part, but that'll be an even deeper integration. A decade off. So you're predicting that in 10 years' time, we will have an interface with an AI facility of some kind that is part of our physical being. Yeah, I'm predicting, I mean, non-invasive in the short term, and I think we are seeing breakthroughs in terms of EEG, fMRI, and, and related technologies, but the brain-machine interface of invasive implants into our brain whether it's about a decade off, that will be an even greater step change in terms of that interface. Would you volunteer for one, being one of the first people to receive that interface? <laughs> well, I was just at this MIT Brain Mind Symposium this last weekend in Boston, and I actually met someone who's working on a chip. Uh, it's sort of a neuro chip, and he actually said he's going to plan to implant that in his own brain literally next year. Now, that might be a little bit optimistic, um, but he's already signing himself up. I probably wouldn't be first, but um, I also wouldn't be last. <laughs> Hi, this is Chris Stuffy, author of Superhuman Innovation, and you are listening to Everyday MBA with Kevin Crane. You know, folks, I have the pleasure of interviewing some of today's top business authors and thought leaders, and I learn a lot, and so do our listeners. Would you like to be a guest on Everyday MBA? Well, I'd love to speak with you, too. Are you an author, a thought leader, an entrepreneur, or a consultant? Be a guest. Let's talk about your ideas, why they're important, and what your recommendations are for our listeners. Find out more at everyday-mba.com slash guest. That's everyday-mba.com slash guest. You're listening to Everyday MBA. Our guest today is Alex Bates. His book is Augmented Mind, AI, Superhumans, and the Next Economic Revolution. You can get your copy at the Everyday MBA Bookstore at everyday-mba.com slash bookstore. Now, Alex, AI and intelligence augmentation seems futuristic and maybe even a bit scary, but you are really optimistic about our combined future with AI. Um, tell me more about how it will fuel what you're calling the next ec economic revolution. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because really what most people, the image that's conjured for most people when they hear AI is fear because what we hear kind of in the mainstream narrative is, is job loss and even worse, Terminator and kind of weaponized robots that we see in Hollywood and these movies like The Matrix and Terminator and so on. So really, these are the images that have kind of been implanted. And what I saw on what I call like the front lines of working, I did a company where for 10 years we deployed AI systems in the manufacturing sector. And I saw how the humans interacted with the AI and what their really complementary and different gifts were. And, and I saw that there's actually a huge role for 
the human aspect working with these AI systems. And so that that's why I saw it was really a much more uplifting vision and felt the need to, first of all, explore that. But second of all, to have a call to action to the AI community to also focus more on this augmentation path. And, you know, I think in terms of being uplifting, I believe Deloitte did a study and found that um, almost 90% of Americans are completely dissatisfied and disempowered with their job. And if you look at that as a status quo, that's not really something we should be focusing all our energy and attention to preserve the status quo in my mind. And the exciting thing with AI is if it could actually unlock us from this kind of disempowering work most of us are doing and actually do more creative work, I think is a, is a much more exciting future. And indeed, rather than become a threat to humanity, you talk about how AI will help us solve some of our biggest problems that are facing humanity while also protecting us from rogue or weaponized AI systems. Tell me more about that. How will that work? Yeah. So I think, I mean, yeah, you look at the UN Sustainable Development Goals and we do have some big problems facing humanity. And, and sometimes there can also be a tendency to, to just shut down at the magnitude of those challenges. But when you get a community excited about just looking at all the possible paths to work on solving them. And now with AI augmenting us and kind of freeing us from some of the maybe legacy thinking that led us down. Some people get caught in these sort of binary traps of thinking about we either need to shut down all of private industry or we need to just continue what we're doing, which maybe could have big side effects in the environment. So to me, moving us up kind of the intelligence ladder will, will make it a much much clearer path towards solving these things and getting out of some of the polarized debates we kind of see today. When you talk about protecting us from rogue or weaponized AI systems, I wonder how that will work. Do you believe that there will also be rogue and weaponized AI systems coming along along with this future then? Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I mean, if you look at what if we had 7.5 billion augmented superhumans on the planet, what would that world be like? If you look at the spectrum of humans, there's some people that are very empathic and I'd say, you know, very good at heart. There's obviously some people that have some, maybe some brain flaws that cause them to be what we call sociopathic or psychopathic. In general, with advances in brain science, we're going to be able to detect some of the neurological underpinnings for, I think, some of those probably brain illnesses that lead to those kinds of situations. So what I would expect is we're going to have really good solutions for the mental illness things that go on. And then separately, once people are empowered and freed, we'll become a little bit less focused on competition and this zero-sum mentality of hoarding resources and materialism and a little bit more interested in, in these creative pursuits that, that will suddenly be, be free to do. And I think, I think it'll be a, a really interesting transition. And what do you think will be one of the biggest problems that is helped by AI in our future? Well, in the short term, I look at the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I think literally all of them um, could be could be helped. One quickly, just to address your question on weaponization. I mean, I think some people had proposed trying to put the genie back in the bottle and having countries sign these declarations that they won't use weaponized AI. What actually I think we need to do, if we're augmented, we're going to do a much better job of understanding the risks and 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 having protections in place as as opposed to it's a situation where you can't have one country unilaterally say we're not going to progress. Clearly, there's going to be progress. So I think the best thing is with our augmented intelligence, we're going to be much higher level awareness of 
dealing with risks and any rogue elements, you know, which certainly are always a potential risk. But, um, but yeah, in terms of solving the, these grand challenges, I think the same principle applies. Like with, with our augmented skill sets, we're going to make much better progress towards shipping away at this. As you were talking about trying to put the genie back in the bottle, it, it occurred to me, similar to cloning, uh, we can try to put the cloning thing back into the bottle, but it's really out of the bottle. Do you see augmented intelligence combined with cloning at some point and and how how will that work yeah well actually it's interesting you brought that up i mean at this uh, mit brain mind symposium there actually were, were a number of labs there working on different types of genetic engineering one aspect was kind of a mind-blowing thing where they take pluripotent stem cells and grow miniature brains in a lab they call them organoids and then enables them to do research without sort of damn you know dealing with animals or they can even grow like human like organoids of brains but yeah amazing research going on there the genetics uh the genetic part is enabling us to do there's optogenetics that's giving much better insight into brain imaging and brain function with respect to cloning uh, i mean yeah in general you can clone organisms maybe get you know more things like organ transplants and things like that but the intersection of genetics and neuroscience is is just amazing breakthroughs that are happening right now. Well, it will take great vision and leadership to reach this optimistic vision that you're describing. And you've created a global mastermind network of applied AI technologists and researchers with membership from Caltech, MIT, Harvard, Oxford, USC, a lot of them. What have been the results of these efforts so far? And how do you see the coalition moving forward? Well, it's it's really interesting. It's all the representation really are people kind of like myself in the AI community. Most of us have done research, but we've also done companies and operationalized AI in the real world and, and look at how AI and humans interact and interface. So we had that kind of applied perspective. Everyone is very passionate about AI for good and, and how do we both get to super intelligence, but for the good of all humanity. And people come from all different perspectives, from robotics to brain-computer interfaces to you know, all different perspectives and industries. So I think, first of all, we've gotten great just different perspectives on how to, how to make progress in this area. And at the same time, uh, we're actually working with other networks and organizations right now, more recently, including this, this group called Brain Mind, which is advised by Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn and Michael McCullough and, and several others. So I think um, the mastermind group, what we're seeing now is we're actually starting to partner with some of these other networks to, to sort of join forces on this. And, and to me, it's really now the intersection of neurotechnology to better interface humans with machines combined with intelligence augmentation to kind of uh, free us up in those areas. Hi, this is Joel Gurren, president and founder of the Center for Open Data Enterprise and the author of Open Data Now, and you are listening to Everyday MBA with Kevin Crane. Is it time to reach a new audience in a new way? Advertising on Everyday MBA gives you the opportunity to do just that. Each week, you'll reach thousands of listeners all tuned in to learn more about strategies, products, and approaches that will help them succeed. When you become a sponsor of Everyday MBA, you reach out to a growing and engaged community of listeners, your potential customers, clients, and supporters in a new and more powerful way. For more information, just go to everyday-mba.com 
slash sponsor. That's everyday-mba.com slash sponsor. You're listening to Everyday MBA. Our guest today is Alex Bates. His book is Augmented Mind, AI, Superhumans, and the Next Economic Revolution. You can get your copy at the Everyday MBA bookstore at everyday-mba.com slash bookstore. Now, Alex, we have reached the action item round of the show. Wondering if you could please provide three action items that our listeners can do to begin to take advantage of the ideas and advice in your book. Yeah, a couple things. Number one is to embrace data. I think with the fear mentality, there's there's a there's an initial instinct is to recoil and cloak oneself from any possible systems. But for intelligence augmentation to work, um, you're going to have to have data about yourself. But the key thing to think about is if you had an AI system that was augmenting, amplifying you and offloading the menial stuff that you don't like and actually figuring out what is fulfilling to you and what makes you most happy and, and unlocking you to pursue more of that. But the key thing is, so for example, I wear a smart ring, which tracks heart rate and sleep. I wear a smart watch. I opt into all kinds of data um, things, for, you know, as, as sort of data as the fuel for these future AI and, and augmentation development. So that's that's one thing. Another thing would be in the neurotechnology realm, you're starting to see some of these headsets coming out that give you feedback, even neurofeedback. So there's everything from the ones that you can use during meditation. There's one called Muse to other ones uh, like a company called Intheon that works with different headsets. But, um, you know, maybe start experimenting with some of these consumer devices that are coming out that will give you a perspective once you can kind of see your own brain waves. One example is you'll know when you're in beta rhythm or alpha rhythm, where beta is more your task positive, concentrated attention, whereas alpha is when you're in more of a creative flow state where you're primed for epiphanies. And so seeing that feedback will enable you to sort of, in some cases, calm your mind and, and get more into a good good state for, for work. And then the and then the third thing I would just recommend is to uh, to get involved. There's there's all kinds of different groups now. Look, you know, with your local university, certainly through um, at Neocortex Ventures, we're going to be listing a number of the different groups, and there's probably going to be opportunities for pilots and, and meetings, and just get involved with uh, you know, and maybe have a say in how this technology evolves. Well, Alex, it's been great speaking with you today. We're almost out of time, but before I let you go, one last question. You've given us some great advice here today, but what was the best piece of advice that you ever received and how has it shaped who you are? You know, one of my favorite pieces of advice was is from Peter Thiel. And it's he actually asked it as interview questions to anyone, but it has to do with what's a, a belief you hold that most people would disagree with you about. And it sort of hints at a type of contrarian thinking or at least nonconformist thinking. And it really causes you to think uh, clearly and, and maybe avoid sometimes just pure mainstream thinking, but also look for ideas that are relatively unexplored. And that's that's one path to find some of these creative insights that I found. That's Alex Bates. Get his book, Augmented Mind, AI, Superhumans, and the Next Economic Revolution. Alex, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. It's been been great to be with you.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.